it's a tremendous ministry and something worthwhile. So, in praise of our King. So, Palm Sunday today, Palm Sunday, the first day of Passion Week for the Jewish people, the beginning of Passover. And in, and in looking back, um, Jesus has set his face, as it were, this was the time for him to make his way towards Jerusalem. As we think of him making his way to Jerusalem, I think there's some words that can be used to describe that journey. I think, uh, I think he had great courage. I think that he walked with great confidence and boldness. I think that he, he had possessed within him such a deep, deep conviction that this was the plan of his Heavenly Father. It was unfolding at a perfect time and in a perfect way. And he was doing what he, was, what he planned on doing. And as I thought of this yesterday, I thought, wow, what a defining moment. A defining moment in the life of Jesus that took place nearly 2,000 years ago. And the event that unfolded has impacted the world has impacted nations around the world and has impacted us even to this hour. So I'm looking at the scriptures found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, you have a printed copy of that text and I just wonder if you would indulge me by standing and joining me as together we read those uh, verses. And uh, it starts actually in chapter 20 of Matthew, verse 34, which precedes kind of the, the entrance into Jerusalem. But I thought it was pretty uh, significant, the last verse. And then uh, it kind of flows together. So we'll just read it together right through to the uh, John 12, 13. Okay, are we good to go? Ready? Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it, and send it back shortly. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry 
They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Let's pray. Father, wow, to think, to think of that moment. And to think the opportunity that we have today to gather here and to praise our King. So Father, we just thank you for your presence, your spirit that's among us. People gather here. May your name be glorified as we gather to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining me. So, a defining moment. A defining moment. The significance and the importance um, of that moment, I think, kind of stands out a little bit by the fact that all four writers of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, reference that moment, that amazing event. How Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem, knowing what was ahead of him, knowing what he would face, they recorded what we have referred to as Palm Sunday, Passion Week, that first Sunday. Jesus, knowing um, that his life was being guided and directed by his Heavenly Father, willingly, freely, accepted the plan and the direction and the guidance of God. Now, as difficult as Thursday and Friday of that week would become, this was a day of triumph. This was a day of celebration. This was a day when he clearly expressed, I am doing what my Heavenly Father has designed for me to do. I am fulfilling what we know in scriptures to be something that was prophetically announced in Genesis and clearly in the book of Zechariah, that he was above the will of God. We know that he would face days, days just around the corner, so to speak, of rejection, denial, loneliness. There would be physical abuse, he knew that pain was coming. He knew that shame would be what he would experience. And suffering was on the calendar. And yet, this was a moment. A defining moment in the life of Jesus. A powerful moment. And I think there's some truths and lessons that we can glean from this moment. I'm not sure if we have or do grasp the full impact of that event, that Sunday, the first day of, of uh, Passion Week. As I, as, I, as I prepared, and as I thought of this passage of Scripture, and read it and looked at it yesterday, and I thought of, what a defining moment in the life of Jesus. Will you forgive me if all of a sudden I, I kind of looked back and said, boy, I think I've had a few defining moments in my life. And uh, one of the immediate moments was in my home church after a Sunday evening service going down into the prayer room kneeling by the furnace room on an old wooden chair at the age of nine and one of the elders of the church came over and said, Gay, have you ever accepted Jesus? 
I said, no. He said, would you like to do tonight? And I said, yes. And he prayed with me. And that was a defining moment for me. I thought of another defining moment for me when in my third year last semester at Bible school in 1969, Graham Noble, who was pastor in Newfoundland, came to the Bible college, and it was a week of prayer. And I have to tell you, I struggled with the call of God in my life. I knew I was in Bible school for a little obedience to God's call as a teenager. But boy, was I struggling with knowing that within a few months, there was this expectation from, I felt every corner that Gay Nori was going to go into the ministry, and Gay Nori didn't feel like he was capable. And I struggled with that. And in that week of prayer, I remember bowing at the altar and crying, weeping as I knelt, and again, surrendering and yielding my life. It was a defining moment for me where I said, God, I don't understand this. If I was God, I wouldn't be calling Gay Nori to the ministry, but since I'm not, I will surrender. And uh, I can't believe that all of that has happened and how God has led and been with us and helped us. And what an amazing, what an amazing journey over those 52 years since then that God has drawn us. Well, let me ask you a question. I just want you to take a moment and allow Holy Spirit to just bring to your memory a defining moment, whether it's a spiritual or part of the life. Take a moment. Defining moments. Defining moments. Anyone brave enough to uh, share it? defining moment. Well, when I look at these scriptures, I clearly see that this was a defining moment in the life and ministry of Jesus that last week before his resurrection. So as I look at this passage, I just want to make some observations. As much as it seems to me that Jesus riding into Jerusalem, it seems to me that this was an unannounced, unscheduled, unplanned event that captured an attention of the crowd. I don't think Jesus had a, had a manager that went ahead and said, we're having this special parade. Let's gather. I don't read that. I'm not saying that there wasn't some activity outside, but it seems to me that that there was no real announcement. Hey, it's happening at 10:30 on Sunday morning. It's taking place. So as I think of the crowd, a mixed crowd, a crowd. Can we, can we draw this conclusion from our scripture reading? It was a, an enthusiastic crowd. Are we okay with that? 
it was it seemed to me like the crowd was pretty excited um, can you believe it it says that the crowd was loud okay I, I didn't pick up the mic because I find that my voice I, I tend to get loud and so if I use a mic my kids say you're shouting at us dad stop shouting at us. so anyways I figure I can get away with that, that okay so so the fact was that they were they were loud and isn't it great that there's this word in scripture that describes this moment they were what joyful right that's what it says and so here's this crowd made up of men and women and children this crowd who cut branches palm branches and some of them took off their coats and and it seems that they they had sang and there was great energy as they recognized who this man was I, I kind of think that Jesus um, had arranged with the owner of the colt okay because when the two disciples went to get the colt it was like there was no questions asked oh the master has needed it or the Lord needs it he'll return it in a couple of <coughs> a couple of days there was <coughs> there was no sense that this was kind of a um, an unexpected thing so just my opinion that I think Jesus kind of arranged this and and I I also think so again just just how I'm looking at this story I don't think that Jesus <clears throat> ever discouraged the crowd he never tried to quiet them in fact I think I think he he kind of encouraged it and endorsed what the crowd was doing because he said and you read it do you remember what you read there when the Pharisee said stop tell them to stop what did he say exactly kind of a, an amazing thing isn't it so here's Jesus at this moment in Luke verse 40 so here's this crowd crowd of people have you ever asked yourself as you read this I wonder who specifically was in the crowd we don't know but can I I, I kind of think in that last verse or the first verse that we actually read from chapter 20 talked about two blind men that followed him where I, I kind of think maybe what about um, blind Bartimaeus he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What, would you think maybe he might be one of the praisers in the crowd? I, I wonder. I wonder if a guy by the name of Nicodemus, would he, I wonder if he might even, one of the really, I wonder if he might have been in the crowd. Was he one of the silent praisers? Although, I think we could say from the reading that all of the crowd participated. So, I, I don't know, okay? I really, I'm just trying to say, who made up the crowd? Was Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead, would he be there? Would Mary or Martha? Were they part of 
the crowd that were known as the praisers who worshipped and acknowledged Jesus. Well, as I said, Jesus never quieted the praisers. He never suggested at any moment in our reading that you guys are all wrong. In the past, he kind of suggested, my hour has not come. But in both our reading in Luke 19 and in John 12, 13, here's what the crowd said. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In John 12, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Hosanna, one who saves or saves now. And so I looked at what the crowd declared. And they declared that Jesus was king. King. What a title, king. We might have looked at him and he had been called teacher. He's referred to as a prophet. But this title of, of a king, king. And I, I have to tell you, I couldn't escape this word that on this moment, this hour, this first day of the Jewish Passover, now we call the week of passion. They called him king. And uh, immediately yesterday, my mind went to the book of Revelations. And do you know what I thought of? Some of you are good Bible scholars and readers. I thought of how it's in Revelations chapter 19. And I just would suggest that if you're wondering what could I read this afternoon or tomorrow, Pull out Revelations 19, because there in the 16th verse, it unfolds that, that it's, 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 it's the reference to Jesus, King of kings, and Lord of lords. And so that, that kind of, a, it just kind of sparked something more in me about Jesus, King of kings. And I thought, wow, King. So, it took me back to the book of Psalms, and, and we all know Psalms 23. But right after David declaring that the Lord is my shepherd, he goes to, and we read in chapter 24, and, and I'm just giving you a little bit of a capsule of it, and the writer says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Who is the king of glory? And it's referenced again. Who is the king of glory? And down in verse 10, the Lord Almighty is the king of glory. The Lord Almighty. David had a revelation that the Lord Almighty and I thought, king. There was a moment in Isaiah's life. He who was this great prophet, this man of God, he, he had a moment of sadness in the year that King Uzziah died. And he goes on to say, in that, uh, I think it's the fifth verse, yeah. He said, my eyes have seen the king. I've seen the king, the Lord Almighty. And then referencing Zechariah 9.9, 9, which you read 
uh, in this morning out of the Gospels where the writer quotes this prophet in chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly! Shout! See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation and gentle, riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. Wow, the king! And then, again, just as a sidebar, to think that what I, this colt had never been ridden on before. It had never been broken in. It was wild. But when the king of kings sat upon it, it was gentle. And he rode on it triumphantly. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't stop even there. And I thought, boy, because I remember preaching a, about a year and a half ago at, at Christmas time. And I talked about the kings. And I, I said, yeah, the magi, they came from the east. And they came and, and they said in Matthew 2, 2, is that where is the one who is born king of the Jews, this baby? this young child. And they said, we have come to worship him. And then as I have been reading, I, I remember the, that moment in Pilate's judgment hall. And Pilate says in John 18, 33, are you king of the Jews? In verse 37, he said, you are a king. In verse 38, listen to this verse. This is 1838. Jesus, you are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason, Jesus said, I was born, and for this I came into the world. The king recognized who he was and what he had come to do and what he was going to accomplish. And then I went on a little further to John 19, verse 14, and Pilate he didn't understand everything, but this is what he had printed on the cross. And even when the religious leaders of the day said, take it down, he said, no. And it's printed, placed on the cross in both Aramaic and in, uh, and in Greek and in Latin, I think. The notice that was fastened, Jesus of Nazareth, king, king of the Jews. Somehow I think maybe that God allowed the first century Jewish community to have a revelation of who Jesus was. Maybe this morning what our prayer could be is, oh God, give us a new and a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, that he truly is King of kings and Lord of lords. And they celebrated, they rejoiced on that day that Jesus was their king. Praise him. We called to praise the king of kings. So here's my second observation. Boy, I'm going to have to hurry with this one. Anyways, we praise our king. We praise him for not only who he is, yes, that's who he is, the Son of God, King of Kings. But we can praise him for what he has done and what he is doing. In, in Luke 19, verse 37, can you look at that paragraph where it starts, some of the Pharisees, no, that's not the right spot. 
Go back up to uh, the, the other paragraph where it says Luke 19, 37, 40. So read, just follow. When he came near that place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. And here's the word, here's the phrase that just underline it, look at it, think about it. For all the miracles they had seen. For all the miracles. Now, again, we don't have time to go into the list of miracles that Jesus did that caused these people to be filled with gratitude and praise as they excitedly and in an enthralling way they lifted their voices to Jesus. It seems like there was no spectators in the crowd. There was no critics in the crowd. There was no wet blankets in the crowd. They just went loud voices praise God for the miracles. For the miracles. What about us? Well, when I consider what Jesus said, I couldn't help but uh, turn my attention to what Paul wrote. And so, on the bottom of your sheet, I'm going to try and read this without making uh, any comment. Okay? That's going to be really hard. But how many believe in miracles? <laughs> Okay, a few hands, okay. So, this will be a miracle, okay? So, Ephesians 1. When we think of, of the miracles that Jesus did, opening eyes that were blind, okay? But he opened our hearts. And I pray today that he'll open our minds. Because here's what Paul would write. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us blessed us in the heavenly realms with every bite my tongue every spiritual blessing in Christ he chose us he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us to be adopted as his daughters, and can I add the word sons and daughters, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, his glorious grace, which he has freely, which he has freely, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in him, Look at that. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And, and, and he has made known, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. All praise, all praise to our heavenly King. So, two minutes. Point to ponder. Here's what I want to, I hope you can kind of take in. That on that first Palm Sunday, on that Passion Week, 
that triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It's, a, it's clear in my mind that Jesus was fulfilling the will of his Father. And as Jesus arrived, he was welcomed. He was welcomed. He was welcomed. Welcomed. A defining moment for me at the age of nine, I welcomed Jesus into my life. And I have to tell you, there's been many moments since that time that I've welcomed Jesus into my life. And I pray that there will be many more times in the years ahead that I welcome Jesus, who was the center of that moment, that first Palm Sunday, was welcomed. May we welcome Jesus today, from a young person to an older person. May our hearts be open to welcome to invite Jesus in again and again and again. I have never regretted. I've never said, boy, that was the worst decision I ever made when I was nine years of age. I've said that was the best decision I could ever make. And this morning, I'm sure you could raise your hand and whether you were nine or 19 or 29 or whatever you would say, welcoming Jesus. The second thing I think I would like us to consider in that defining moment of Jesus is that for Jesus, the absolute total confidence that he had that what was going to happen in his life, what was going to unfold in his life, he, he just, hear my Lord. He just, he said, didn't fight it. Yes, he prayed in the garden, but there was a willingness on the part of Jesus. Welcoming and willingness. Ponder it. The willingness of Jesus to come to that place of surrender and yieldedness. And I say, I want to come to that place of willingness where I, like Jesus, I follow in his footsteps. He who saved me and redeemed me and chose me and called me, that I would be as willing as Jesus was. Not concerned about the situation or circumstances. All we're really concerned about that I want to do what I'm called to do. I want to be who God has called me to be. I want to go where God has called me to do or to go and to realize that no matter what, the sovereign almighty God is directing the steps of his children, of his sons and daughters. And I'm willing. I'm saying, God, I'm willing. I'm willing, God, just to trust and rest in you and lift my voice and lift my hands and give him the praise that God is so worthy of. Even in this hour, in a crazy world, in a crazy world, 
that we can say, I'm willing to trust you and look to you. I'm not looking to the circumstances or the situations in my life. Whether it even becomes more personal, individually, what you're going through, I'm willing, God, just to keep my eyes upon you. As a church, what you're going through, what you're facing, God, we're looking to you. We're trusting you. We're willing, oh God, to be your hand extended, to be open to your spirit, to your leading, to do your guiding. And as the worship team come back, let me just say that in light of, in light of who he is, Jesus the King, Jesus the King, and in light of all that he has done, the miracles that he has provided, that's what I want to remind you of the miracles, as we read in Ephesians, the miracles. Oh yes, I believe in physical healings, I, I believe in his, his provision, but the blessings that he has blessed us with, that we in turn give him the praise. All praise to him. So they're going to lead us in that second last song that we uh, were singing earlier, so maybe you would stand and join them and lift your voice. Oh, praise the name. Amen? Join them. <laughs>